All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 289 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm host Julian Gills, and I'm joined by Daniel, Ken... Hello. And Mark, good to see you guys. We've had a Greetings. couple of weeks that we haven't done shows recently, which feels very strange. But you know what? It makes up for the weeks where we put multiple episodes out, so it all balances out in the end. And you do know something? There are other podcasts to listen to as well. So, yep. Um, top news this week will be Australia is burning. And uh, two of us are Californians, and we know what it's like, and it is hell on earth. And at least when our state was on fire, it wasn't 114 degrees. I think 46 degrees Celsius is bloody hot. So, you know, we want to give our thoughts and support to all our friends in Australia. The Aussie and Worldwide Kiss Collectors Facebook group is doing a bunch of fundraising. If anyone is interested in donating, you can donate straight up. You can enter raffles to win stuff. You'll have to pay post obviously uh, but you know that's probably the best place to find charities in Australia that are going to give the majority of your money to those who need it and those resources that need it um, so go and check out you know the Aussie and Worldwide Kiss Collectors Facebook group apart from that they're a great bunch of people passionate collectors uh, who are fun to hang out with and if you ever get to meet some of these people it's in your interest to do so. They're awesome. So good job to Phil and everyone who's uh, a part of trying to do as much as they can for a positive cause. Um, other news, and this will be the giveaway this week. I guess I'm doing another updated edition of this monstrosity. Wow. This year, unreleased. Beautiful. 70, 74. This will be out on January the 17th. Um, hardcover this year. It brings you straight up to date through the end of 2019. Corrections, of course. Additions throughout. I think there's 1,159 or something stupid amount of reviews now in there. Uh, that's the one proof copy. We'll give that away. Um, January the 15th at noon. I'll do the drawing. Just email me at kissfaq at outlook.com. There's no question to answer. Just say, give me and you, and maybe you'll get it. And, uh, it's open to everyone worldwide as well. And I really hope it isn't won by someone in Australia because postage is like 75 bucks to there. Um, Mark, Project Gemini, you want to give us a quick update? Yeah. Well, uh, I just recently, Received my test acetate for the vinyl release of the newest record. Uh, much to my surprise, it came out perfect on the first shot. Usually I'm used to maybe doing like two or three, you know, attempts at it to get it the way I like it. But since me and uh, Kevin Park, who does the lacquer cutting at Lacquer Channel, uh, has been working with me for so long now, we kind of know what each other kind of wants to, to make the record sound good. So I think we're in sync now with what to do with it so it sounds really good i'm very happy with the way this turned out so i'm very excited about it uh it will be another color vinyl uh people have been speaking i did say that i wanted to do it between two, two different colors red or yellow and uh, yellow seems to be the overwhelming favorite in this race right now for it so it looks like it will be that uh 
And uh, yeah, lots of other things going to be happening. Uh, we're just about finished doing the two cover songs for the digital download card that's going to be included with it as well. Uh, all I'm going to say is that it's going to be one Maiden song and one Queen song. That's going to be uh, for the uh, cool. bonus song. So, uh, And it sounds really good so far, so I'm very happy about that. And for a special bonus this time in our pre-order, I'm doing a very special, maybe 10 copies only, lace-cut version of an EP that I hadn't put on vinyl at all. So maybe I might do the Lost Science Files or something. But I went to Lacquer Channel, and the, there's a lady there who does these lace cuts there. And they sound absolutely fantastic. I couldn't believe I was so impressed with it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were very hyped about it as well. So I think for the pre-order, I'm going to offer maybe 10 of a EP that hasn't been released and uh, people are really on it. So if you are interested, just go check out the official project Gemini page and uh, get in on it. And my, I want to say one more thing too. I want to send a special uh, greeting to the Australian people as well. I have quite a few people who have been buying my records from Australia. And that's got to say something because shipping to there is a lot of money. And I always feel so heartbroken when I have to tell them how much it is to ship there, but they've always been cool about it. And uh, I'm trying to think of something to do for them as well, especially, you know, because of the supporters that have been from Australia helping me out. So uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I'm hoping that I can mentally send some of this minus 17 windchill weather here from Canada over their way to get rid of their snow. So, uh, hopefully, maybe that'll work. I heard well, a disruption in the force. A... <laughs> yeah. Canada seems cool. We had a, had such a mild winter over here, around zero degrees <laughs> Celsius so far. I wish. Yeah, it's pretty really nice. Well, it was cold today in San Francisco. It's 60. Oh, uh, yeah. What's Rub it like, in, right? It's like 12 or 14 or something like that. Oh, Same God. Around. I don't know Fahrenheit. Yeah. All right, so let's talk uh, Christmas or other recent uh, uh, purchases. Anyone get anything good for for Christmas? Uh, I did get yeah, something. That's really cool looking. And uh, yeah. I don't usually Ken buy. Ken should have that one. Ken should have that one. That's a pen <laughs> and it's, a It's perfect. Yeah, I I couldn't resist. Someone posted this up on the FAQ. It's completely bootleg. Um, but I don't have any green T-shirts anyway, so since it does have the Catman on it, I was thrilled to see that and get it. That's the only thing I've added into my collection lately. I'm just like looking around because I leave shit on my desk. No one's going to care about most of the stuff I get in the mail at the moment. Stuff like like that. Oh, nice. But, uh, anyone else? Uh, anything added into your collection over the past few weeks? Yeah, I got. I mean, well, I'll, I'll go. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you all guys, are but anyway, this is this is a uh, of course gift. This is a actually the Paul Stanley uh, Puma. It's it's a sweatshirt. It has the huh. star it has stars here. Yeah. The Puma thing it has purple, you know, purple up here, and and then on the the waistband. Uh, so it's a Paul Stanley. Very star yeah. childish. Is that a yeah. tra- is that is that a tracksuit? Like you're halfway to being a Liverpoolian. Stand up. Let's see. It's not. Is a, it a one piece? No, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a sweatshirt. You know, it's it's. Oh, not, okay. So, uh, come on, you got to model it there. Yeah, yeah nice. There you go. All right, so it's spin, not a. Spin it's, around. It's uh, not a new set of trackies. What else? Oh, and so I did get kiss socks too. By the way. Yeah. I did get wow. Them. 
All right, you have Daniel. all of it now. That goes along great with the Pumas. The, the like shoes you have that as well. Ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have the original Pumas, right? It's uh, a kiss cap really. and you're all set to go. Yeah. <laughs> Ready for the concert. Yeah. But you're going to be, you, stand, you're gonna be well, standing well, next to I, me dressed like that? You, you know, I'm the, I didn't hear. What did you say there, you? <laughs> so he's going to be standing next to me dressed like that? <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'll probably have my rock and roll over jacket. Oh, yeah. okay. Thank God. Yeah. All right, Daniel. Sorry, go. <laughs> well, well, you know, I don't buy as much stuff as Ken does, but um, I just got myself a few singles from back in the day. You know, the Swedish equivalent of um, what's the site where eBay? There's mm-hmm. a Swedish site that's uh, almost the same. So from time to time, I buy some stuff from there. So I just got myself a mint copy of the Tears of Falling single and the Heavens on Fire single for, you know, like a few bucks. But I think it's cool to have because that's my, you know, the start for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I got a, and I know, I think I must have posted it before, but in our house, because we have such an extended family now, you know, every sister that I have has at least three or four kids now. So it's like a big swarm of you know, mass people whenever we do Christmas. So we decided in order to not go bankrupt that we do a Kris Kringle so that each each of the adults just picks one adult from a hat and we just buy for one member and that's it. And this way we just buy for the kids and that's it, right? So uh, for my Kris Kringle, I actually got the Getty Lee Big Book of Bass for for Christmas, which is absolutely fantastic. One of the best coffee table books I've ever seen. And it weighs... A ton like i almost pulled my shoulder lifting this damn thing up it, it, it was it's really heavy it's like 500 pages it has every bass guitar that getty lee owns in his collection and he has some real beauts like 1952 uh fender bass guitar and fender precision basses and jazz basses. he has all the rickenbackers that he had from back in the day it's just really really fantastic and myself i've been picking up just some uh additions to my uh David Bowie uh, picture disc collection, those picture seven inch discs that he's been putting out. Uh, all the singles are out on these little seven inch picture, picture discs. So I got a, a couple of other ones, a uh, uh, DJ and boys keep swinging and all these other ones from the uh, middle era. I guess we're on like lodger and albums like that and never let me down. So uh, I think next we're going to be getting picture discs from the let's dance era. So, but I'm, I'm a big Bowie fan, as you know, and, uh, I collect that stuff. But my era is obviously the Mick Ronson era. He's the man. He's sure. the guy who got me into playing guitar a lot now lately, too, again. So uh, anything that's with him on it, I'm getting it. Do you have a gold top in your collection? Do I? Yeah, a Ronson no, guitar. But I, I definitely want to get a 73 Les Paul, but they're pretty pricey. But I'd love to get one. Yeah, so Jim Kara had a Ronson signature model that looked very interesting. I was very tempted for a while. All right, let's get into today's. Uh, <laughs> actually, the, the last piece, the last piece of news was uh, Foo Fighters have released uh, their latest kind of EP, which is just stuff from the B sides of their archive. This time, they've included Ace Frehley's Ozone. That was, you know, in the '90s when this first come, came out. Um, People used to try and pass it off as a kiss demo. Uh, I don't know how the <laughs> hell 
that was, but that's up on uh, most streaming services. I don't know if it's on iTunes yet, but whatever. You know, if you don't already have it in your collection, there's now you can get it is the point. All right, we're just going to do a bunch of topics off the board this week. Um, there's There's been a lot of discussion over the, the past couple of weeks, none of which we've really kind of dug into. So let me just start some randomness here. And, um, uh, Ken, let's start with you. If you could go and do a meet and greet with any member of KISS, whom would it be with and why? You know, and I, I guess you have to exclude the ones you've already done. Oh, I'd have to exclude the ones I've already done. Okay. Uh, I guess, well. And exclude Vinny. Yeah, I'll exclude Vinny. Um, who did I not? have a real meet and greet with i guess i haven't haven't had a real meet and greet with ace um so you know even though i have a picture of of myself with ace uh when he was down at the gene simmons vault in la um but uh i, ha- I haven't had a meet and greet so yeah i think it would be good to uh uh you know to talk with him a little bit and, and just chat i don't know what he's going to remember of course but he, he, he doesn't chat he, hear he doesn't talk either. and, and, and he, he usually hear. doesn't even get up from the table yeah yeah so. i mean i mean <laughs> i would say me again with gene because just you know gene's my guy you know um other paul i guess paul i mean the the meet and greet i had with paul was uh, just so quick it was just a handshake and gone so uh i think that would be a, a good one to 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 have Okay. Good answers. I mean, there's no way I'm going to let you talk about Gene's vault again. Uh, Daniel, if you, if you could do a meet and greet, who would it be with and why? Well, actually, uh, um, I don't see the point of meet and greets for me personally. Um, uh, go in there. Uh, I kind of can understand it feels good to meet like your heroes and stuff, but. For me, it was never about their personalities or wanting to speak with them or something like that. To me, it was always about the show they put on, the music they released. So, and I think I, I always feel kind of, you know, you're not on the same level. It feels so strange when you go in like sheep after each other and hello, Paul. Uh, can I have like two minutes of your time? I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel inferior and I don't like that feeling. So I'd much rather like my dream would be to run into one of the guys at a bar or something. Mm. And that excludes Gene, I guess, and Paul. So yeah. I'd, I'd say, I'd say <laughs> Eric, Eric Singer seems to be kind of a fun loving guy who always interacts in a fun way with fans and, and, uh, he can go a bit further in the discussions than Gene and Paul because they are like, so, you know, how you corporate almost like lawyers. So, so, uh, Gene is a bit uh, less like, like a lawyer, but Paul is just, I, I wouldn't like to meet him. I think I would be very d- disappointed. So I'd like to meet Eric Singer in a bar. I think we could have a real good time. Interesting. Mark, how about you? Um, I'm going to echo a lot of the same things that Daniel says. I was always never a big meet and greet guy. That's why I loved going to the NAM conventions because I got to meet all the guys that I wanted to meet in an environment that they knew people would be just talking with them, but they had no worry about it because it was only musicians. It was not open to the general public. 
So you could walk up to Bruce Kulick like I've done a few times and talk with him for like 15, 20 minutes. I remember me and my friend went to the uh, pasty symbol spot and talked to Nickel McBrain for an hour and 25 minutes. And he was, and it was funny because when we were talking with him, he was going through all these symbols and my friend was a drummer and he's like, Hey mate, what do you think of this symbol? Do you think it sounds too top endy? And he was like talking about symbols with us for like, the, for like a good hour, you know? And it was hilarious because, you know, we, he, because my drummer knew all about symbols and stuff like that. So he was actually, you know, in a big deep conversation with him. And that's, those are the kind of conversations I think Daniel's trying to get at. Rather than feeling like you're some inferior, like, schlub, like, yeah, yeah, here, shake my hand and get out of here, kid. You know, at least they kind of take you more as a one-on-one regular person in these environments, right? Like, that's why I got to meet, I met Chuck Billy from Testament. I met, uh, you know, Gene Hoagland from T- Testament as well and from a few other bands that he was involved with. Uh, just great people. But again, Bruce Kulick was probably my favorite meet that I've ever done at that. But the one person that I'd like to meet in hopefully in an environment like this again in the future is maybe Tommy Thayer. He's somebody who I think I would have a good, you know, rapport with and talk about, you know, not only guitar stuff, but, you know, we can talk about other things, but I think that I would probably get along with him, you know, the best. I, I, I kind of get the feeling that talking to Paul about guitars, he would probably still make you feel like, you know, you're like gum under his shoe when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, he's Paul Stanley and you're, you know, you're just somebody else, you know what I mean? So, but I really like to meet with a uh, Tommy Thayer. I think Paul might surprise you actually, but uh, it's all yeah. It, it, it's all it's all about the force field, you know, and you know yeah. what his initial perception of you may be, and you know I I just don't know. I I don't really want to have that sort of time with Paul with kind of some of the history <laughs> that's uh, that there is. So yeah. I I Paul's calling I, right now. Yeah, shit. Uh, uh, it's probably it's probably Bob. Um, <laughs> Nobody said Bob. <laughs> so in, in terms of meet and greets, I, I mean, I've I've had quite a few interactions with everyone, um, and each one of them has already been perfect, uh, uh, or as perfect as they can be, and interesting. So there's there's really no one left from the band itself. Um, for me to kind of do it with you know so i i would have to once do a i guess a meet and greet with one of the producers and um vinnie poncia just because he's never responded to my yearly freaking emails begging for an for an interview um just to spend some time talking about you know his contributions to the band's history and getting all those questions that were burning on my mind answered regardless of whether there was a tape recorder running or not. So, you know, just for my own satisfaction, you know, forget everyone else. I'm not going to transcribe it or record it. So, uh, you know, that's it for me. And by the way, if you guys have topics that are, you know, on your mind that have uh, been on the board lately, jump in and interrupt me while I go through the list, because uh, otherwise I will control. All right. Okay, speaking of Vinnie Poncia, good segue into a, a second topic that's been up on the FAQ recently, and that is, if Kiss had opened with a song off the Dynasty album on the Dynasty tour, well, technically it was the Return of Kiss tour, um, which should it have been, Ken? Charisma. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a sorry, but yeah, that's kind of like one of my favorite songs off that album anyway um 
And yeah, we know the story that you guys all know about that. So I think that'd be a good lead off. Um, kick into that. I think it would work. Um, I, you know, cause there's some other songs I, I wouldn't want to wanted to lead off with. I was made for love. You know, just to, to me, that would oh. just make no sense. No darn sense. And then there's some of the other mellower stuff that wouldn't work and maybe an ACE tune. I don't know. But, uh, and, you know, that would never happen anyway because they'd never let Ace lead off a concert. So <laughs> it, it, I, I go with charisma. Sorry, Scambatti's being annoying. Um, sorry, Andrew. Uh, Daniel. Yeah, I have to go the other way. i start with I Was Made For Love You. It was a big hit. It was why people came to the shows, you know, new fans and kick off with a boom and... Uh, I always liked the way they played it live. I think it was an up-tempo, you know, good opening track for for opening song for 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 a show. And um, you know, when you see them performing it like in Sydney with Eric Carr or with uh, Eric Singer on a live three, it's a really cool song to me. I always liked the live ver- version because you have to separate the studio version from how it sounded live. It's like two completely different songs. Mm-hmm. So that would get the people going much more than charisma, even though I like charisma more as a song, but it's not a, it wouldn't work as an opening track for a, for a show. <laughs> Slow tempo. <laughs> Maybe if they rocked it up, you know, you know they well, could have done something with it, but I, I wouldn't open with that one. I mean, that's why they use, uh, the, you know, the other songs like I Stole Your Love and all, all those. I mean, uh, this didn't make sense to open up with a, uh, you know, a dynasty song, but yeah. I was made for love you, you know, Daniel, I was made for loving you back then did not sound very good when they first started, when they, Performing when they played it? in concert back then compared to maybe a live three or the revenge lineup. It was a lot better then than yeah, when course. they first did it. It wasn't very good. Uh, Charisma with Peter Chris, I don't know. Would it have been a whole lot better? Because that was the problem <laughs> yeah. back yeah, then. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no Anton Segan. Yeah. So. No. So no. I think it's more about the drummer. That's the problem with, with playing any song from Dynasty on that tour. Yeah. Well, with that said, I think that the, the song that I'd be interested in hearing mainly because it's probably not an overly complicated song for Peter to have done. But it's also a bit more of an up-tempo song, and I think I might surprise you guys with my selection. Is I would say, how about X-Ray Eyes? I think opening a song like with that might be good. It's kind of a bit more up-tempo-ish. And again, though, letting Gene open the show, Paul might have some issue with that. But I, I think it's a good song. I mean, over the years, that song has kind of grown on me more than it has when I first heard this record, but... Dynasty, for some reason, over the last couple of years, has really grown on me as a record overall. So uh, most of the songs off this record now sit well with me in any capacity. And I can't, hear, muted, I can't, I can't hear Julian either. Oh, I, I was unmuted before and then muted myself. That's real smart. Um, <laughs> I'm, out, I'm, out, I'm a little bit out of practice. Um, that surprised me, that pick. I, I did not see you going there, Mark. What an odd choice. Um, <laughs> but here's an odd choice as well. And I, I'm saying hard times, just a straight up rocker. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, that's a great song. You know, they could say, here's the B side to our latest single <laughs> to get out of playing. I was made for loving you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, uh, the other side of that. Too. 
But I, I think, to be perfectly honest, none of the songs on Dynasty are particularly well geared or structured for opening a concert, yeah. um, especially a Kiss concert. All right, let's move on. Anyone want to jump in with their own? Or oh, I like this one. This one was so stupid with f- what was four options to vote for. Um, what's your favorite Kiss podcast? <laughs> there oh, are yeah. four. Um, and for me, you know, it's it's difficult because so many do so many good things. I mean, I find myself gravitating to podcasts a lot as that was the one that kind of started it off for me. Uh, Decibel Geek. You know, they don't just do Kiss content, but when they do, they do it very well. Ages of Rock. You know, those are kind of the ones I listen to the most but i also can't keep track of all the freaking kiss podcasts so you know very very kind of difficult ken yeah there's 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 more i mean uh i saw that on the board i think i answered i already i didn't vote actually um but i i i said you know you're you're excluding they only listed four and then you're i said you're you know you forgot podcast and podcast rock city um i mean i listened to those when they you know, every time they come out with a with a podcast, I mean, podcast Rock City. I know I listen to pretty much religiously every like Monday. I think it comes out. Uh, you know, I use it to to you know commute and listen to them. You know, chat about kissing. It's it's really good. And, and they go li- they go live Wednesday nights, don't they? They do mm-hmm. have a, a yeah. live show. Yeah, um, on Wednesday nights, and I sometimes check that out. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many, like you said, Julian, out there. Um, so there's plenty of subjects and topics of Kiss to, talk, you know, that people talk about, and plenty of podcasts to choose from. They're all, you know, they're all they're all good. It's all good. Yep, Daniel. Uh, well, do you know how how, uh, how many podcasts are there around about other bands from the 70s and 80s era? Is this like uh, unique for Kiss? Because there seems to be a whole lot. I don't know. It's probably a lot of Beatles ones. I would. Yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah. But, but, but I'm thinking like Aerosmith. Are there a lot of? Jordan? I don't think I've seen one. Is, is there an Aerosmith one? Because I'm actually planning on doing one in conjunction with the book, and to start doing that, to start talking about some of the topics and shit that I've been uncovering, you know, while researching it. So I'm game to do add to the pile of Aerosmith ones. Uh, just be a matter of finding one. people no. who are who are kind of interested and in know enough about the band's history in order to kind of talk. Because I, th- I think the object of any podcast is not only to entertain, but where possible, impart knowledge. But you know, Dad, Daniel, I think you're right. Kiss is a very unique creature in that uh there's probably more podcasts about kiss than the band's popularity deserves yeah it's kind of striking but but if i would have to pick uh, a kiss podcast i think i'd have to go with one that doesn't exist anymore or at least it doesn't exist in the same form form it seems like many of kiss podcasts they uh Go through a metamorphosis. I'm not sure how to pronounce that word, but you know what I mean. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, like you mentioned, the Kiss Decibel or the Decibel podcast. Uh, but I'm thinking of this one, which is called um, Part of Thunder, I think. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy that one. They went through every song in the Kiss catalog yeah. and dissected it. And it seemed like a... A group of fun guys, uh, friendly with each other, 
you know, a whole lot of bantering going on between them. It was real fun to, to listen to. And they had a lot of interesting views. And sometimes they didn't know the songs. They had forgotten them. But it still mm-hmm. was, like, entertaining. So mm-hmm. it's not so – at, at times it's always fun to learn more about the band. But at times it's just fun to hear them rediscovering songs that they had forgotten. And, like, man, this was great. Or, man, this sucks. And <laughs> – if you haven't heard that podcast, um, uh, you people who are listening today, I think you should give it a, a try. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's definitely good. When I, when I started off listening to podcasts, uh, there was two that I was always listening to. Well, three. Uh, two of them, the main ones were History Science Theater mm-hmm. and, and Podcast. Yeah. I mean, I listen to podcasts so religiously, I have a uh, a box in my closet where I have every single episode from number one till I think about, I don't know, like who knows how many years worth on CD. And I made my own little personal hand-drawn covers for each CD for each episode. And I think I, I sent the picture to Ken Mills and he was like just overwhelmed with how many different discs of pictures I made for this <laughs> stuff. And because uh, I, I was a big listener to that. And then it kind of branched out. The, the third one was... Uh, um, Three sides of the coin. I did start listening to that, mm-hmm. but when Mitch left, it kind of wasn't as interesting. I still listen to it here and there, but you know, I'm not going to get into it about those guys. But they have some great episodes when they have guests, but when there's just mm-hmm. them talking, it's you know, sometimes I like to click it off. But um, other other than that, I mean, there's so many great ones out there. I, I love podcast podcast Rock City. I love listening to uh, Potter and Hell. That's a great podcast. Yeah. I've been on that one a few times too, so I love being on that show with those guys. Um, and uh, they're doing a whole month on Van Halen this month, so that's kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, and uh, you know, there's also other podcasts. You, you're saying that Daniel, if there's uh, other p- bands that have podcasts, yeah. the ones that are that are starting to pop up more now, as I've noticed that there's quite a few Rush ones now that are starting to come up mm. more than there was only one for a while, but now there's about five or six of them. Wow. Uh, there's a couple Van Halen. There's a couple of David Bowie ones. There was a great Bowie one, the Bowie A to Z one, but they literally did everything from A to Z. Like they say, this week's episode in A is Aladdin Sane. And they would do that and they would go through the whole alphabet about Bowie. And when they finally got the Z, which was Ziggy Stardust, that was the end of the podcast. They stopped. I was so disappointed because it was such an awesome podcast they still have all their episodes up if you're interested in that the mm-hmm. a to z of david bowie it's a really great podcast mm-hmm. but you know that's the thing so i i i like listening to these podcasts because sometimes they just sort of end their episodes and their run after a while and then just leave it at that which mm-hmm. so I, I think it's just best to enjoy it while it's around and same with like you know but there's there's ones i think that'll be around for a long time still like the kiss room it's a podcast I can't imagine going anywhere anytime soon. That's a long going podcast and it's really, really good with, uh, you know, those guys, Matt Porter and them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many, you know, ages of rock is great. I've been on that one too as well. I love those guys. They had, they do some interesting, uh, discussions about different topics. And I think that's also sometimes the key to the longevity of some of them is that when they have other things they can branch out to besides just one band, it gives them a much bigger platform to discuss. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think one of the criticisms that was raised about any podcast, there are some people who are saying, I don't listen to any of them. 
they all suck uh, because they lack <laughs> they lack structure. You know, I, I think there is fair. You know, you, you do have ones that are very well structured. I think, which uh, you know, podcast kind of sets a standard. Kiss Room follows it as well. But you know, us we just get together and talk. We don't really have any structure uh, or plan other than talk about new purchases, talk about this, promote that, and then, you know, <laughs> go for it. You know, I think early on we tried to have structure, but it just became too much like a job trying to, you, you can't write an episode because then you're like doing a pod history like we did uh, for the Peter Chris episode. Mm. And, you know, the amount of hours that that took, uh, my skill level was just brutal. So, you know, whatever it is, listen to who you like. Listen, don't listen to don't who you like. Get bored, press fast forward. Still bored, press stop. You know, no one's yeah. gonna, no one's gonna get offended. Say you didn't like it. Say what you like. You know, tell people, give people feedback, be respectful in how you do. And so that was an interesting one. Um, let's see here. Another interesting thread right under there was, uh, would you have welcomed a lady space on lead guitar? And thinking of Orathani, is that her name? And or yeah. who's, who's the gal in Alice Cooper? Is that Orathani? Nina Strauss. Oh, that's Nina, oh, yeah, Nina Strauss and yeah, Orianthi. Or it's Orianthi. Or, or, yeah, she, she's yeah. gone now, but Nina Strauss is the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm I'm thinking of that uh, member in L.A. Ken when Prince yeah, yeah. was playing. Yeah. I thought of that too when you said that. that, that the drummer in Motley Crue, the drummer in Motley Crue, Samantha, yeah. Maloney, who I actually saw play with them was uh, was really good, way better than Tommy Lee. It would have been, I think, uh, Tommy Lee. I think it would have been, I, I would have been fine with it. It doesn't matter. I mean, uh, as long as they can play the the licks and and do a great job, as you know, Tommy has, or you know or Bruce has and you know in the past or whatever um I have no problem with it I think it would be an interesting uh dynamic having a woman on stage with the with yeah. Gene and Gene and Paul and, and Eric so I, I think uh yeah I, I think that would be fine and maybe hey maybe 2.0 will be all women I don't know you, you know the funny thing is though I, I thought about this question too uh I have no problem with having a woman ace up there, space woman, uh, because there's a lot of great guitar players who are women out there now. I mean, Nina Strauss, like we just mentioned, is, is a fantastic guitar player. I mean, back back in the day, Jennifer ba- Batten, I believe her name is, she was the one who played with Michael Jackson. She's like incredible, two-handed, you know, eight-finger tapping stuff. It's incredible. She's a gr- like better than most men on guitar, you know. So I had no issue about whether it's a woman or not playing. But I'll tell you one thing. It'll never happen for one primary reason. You, do you ever think that Paul Stanley would allow somebody else on stage that would be looked at more than him? You know, could, so could you imagine some girl in a tight outfit up there playing guitar and all guys would be looking at her? Paul would be literally running up in front of her and dancing in front of her so that they look at him instead of her, most likely. You know, because you know how Paul is. He wants the spotlight on him. And he's never made any bones about that, you know. That he's the guy who wants to be in the spotlight. So I could only see that being an issue. But other than that, I have no issue with a female uh, guitarist. It wouldn't last long. It would end up in court for harassment once Gene licked him on stage. 
<laughs> like he yeah. like he does to Ace and to uh, to Tommy licking them. Yeah, well, harassment. I was harassed at work by Gene Simmons, <laughs> literally on stage, and there were fourteen thousand witnesses. Uh, <laughs> well, wasn't the wasn't the Meredith uh, uh, Kiss guitarist at one time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know. Hmm. Daniel, any, any any thoughts on the lady space? Well, I think the PC answer is, of course, great. Yes, bring on anyone. Uh, girls, even better, in the name of equality. But uh, I actually experienced Kiss having a drummer at one point in time. It was when they released the uh, God Gave Rock and Roll video, and a friend of mine saw it before me. And if you remember, they had clips from the film in the early music video that Kiss uh, did. And there was a blonde girl drumming. So my friend told me, hey, you know who the new drummer in Kiss is? She's a girl. And I remember my reaction. You know, I was just a teenager, but I I didn't like it. I wanted it to be a guy. So uh, I I, I don't think it would work. Uh, The chemistry with, uh, you know, Gene back in the day when he was full on swine mode, you know, mm-hmm. pig that he was, uh, it wouldn't work at all. But, uh, no, I, I don't. Too think. much testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the, the biggest problem with it is it's hairy gorilla music that borders on the misogynistic in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and in this politically correct world, you know, it, it really there's no reason why a woman can't play because there are plenty of players who can play the hell out of aces and Vinny's and Bruce's licks, you know, perfectly well. So there's no re- gender reason why they can't. But in terms of the band symmetry, um, I think Mark probably nailed it that not that it would necessarily detract from Paul. It would just stand out like a sore thumb. So, you know, and no one mentioned yeah. the great cat. You know, you talked about yeah. Jennifer Batten. Worship me or die. Not mm-hmm. have her go up against Vinny. Yeah. All right. Moving on. What's missing from Kiss merch that you'd love if they made? Ken, mm-hmm. who yeah. buys merch. Yeah. Um, I'd really shoot, like some music. Hard. You know, does music count mm-hmm. as merch? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, you know, and I'll go with. Well, shoot, that's kind of hard. Um, you're you're trying to think what what haven't they made already and slap their yeah. names on? I mean, they've got toilet paper, they've got Crocs, they've got. The problem is urns. they are only focusing on the makeup era. I always say this when we talk about merchandise. Why not focus a little bit on? Animal Eyes, Asylum, Revenge. I might. Even have, I might have, have you not seen Paul's latest line of Pumas? Animal Eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, but but I'm talking more about you know merchandise that uh, deals with the band. You know, T-shirts, uh, posters from back in the day, photos that we haven't seen. Put something together. I might even buy that, but I'm not buying anything more from, you know, like another T-shirt with Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer. I mean, that's been done to death. They need to, you know, have a look at the stuff that they really haven't touched for decades. 
they did a, a thing with Heart in the Shade, but they picked the the worst looking album cover in Kiss's entire career <laughs> and put that on that T-shirt and made a vinyl out of it. So I don't know. Well, the T-shirt looks good actually. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I have did. to. Yeah, I have to agree to this guy. Yeah. Uh, but, but I like the old. Do do they have the older one? <clears throat> I've seen that older one. Yeah, you can get the old one. You can still Um, buy that old one. They have it out there. That looks kind of cool, actually. Um, But to me, it's it's more about the music still. I'd rather just have more music. Or you know, again, we talked about it. The box sets and and kind of things for each album have some kind of box set with extra songs Mm -hmm. and and live stuff and video all included. Uh, You know, you can put posters in there too with it. Um, So. That's that's the most important thing for me. Uh, and I and I've sorry. No, please. You go. Oh, go. I was gonna say I've done, and I've said it before. Um, I I've been a big uh, voice for wanting to see some of their stuff go into Blu-ray. You know, mm. I mean, none of their stuff is really available in that, and you know maybe some of their older you know filmed concerts could be upgraded into Blu-ray. That'd be really really cool to see um one of the things that i'm also a big fan of and we mentioned it before that some bands have done it like metallica and king crimson and stuff like that have like a separate website where you can go on become a member and get shows like sometimes like dozens and dozens of shows from tours that they've done and audio and video to download you know you can have whole concerts that you can download off their site i mean the time has come like they, they said themselves, the end of the road. What are you going to do when this is done? I mean, you got to start thinking about finding ways to monetize further if you're going to keep this wagon rolling. And what better way to do it than that way? You must have hundreds of shows archived somewhere. I mean, I know that these guys are recording stuff, even board tapes from these shows somewhere. You know, they must have a gigantic vault of them somewhere. Start putting them up, you know. There's, I mean, I know we laugh at that all the time, but uh, you'd be surprised. I know I keep hearing stuff even now from other bands I get involved with. You know, somebody said that they went into their closet and, oh, shit, I found a box with, like, seven shows from 1978. I said, like, yes, or something like that, right? And they they suddenly put it up, and people are, you know, they flip out, and they they want a copy of it. So why not? I just think Kiss has signed some really bad business deals. That is what keeps them from being able to do this, whether it's with rare recordings, that the rights over, you know, all the performance rights are so messed up, the publishing and et cetera, would just lead to such a legal quagmire where they to try and do that. I mean, did they sign such shitty deals or like instant live that they didn't get to use any of that stuff after they did release three songs from those on the, uh, rock the nation live Japanese three inch CD, you know, so they were able to use some of it. Why can't they put up all those shows from 2004, or put them either on a pace like, like Metallica does. I mean, shit, yeah. look, I've been spending a lot of time watching Metallica pro shots that have been synced up with the soundboard, uh, soundboard audio and just watching the hell out of those shows because yeah. um, they're so you know entertaining multicams and they're all up on youtube for free well why can't kiss you know just make all those instant lives in 2004 through when was the last ones that they did 2008 um that were all shitty mp3s anyway and put them all up there must be a reason because this is kiss they would be monetizing it you know like fly on dog shit you know, mm. if there weren't problems or some 
reason why they couldn't. So I really think that, you know, while it's such a great idea and the bands that do it, you know, well, hopefully Motley Crue never does it. Um, <laughs> it, it it's got to make sense. And we've heard stories about Gene coming off stage and grabbing the boar tape. I think it was St. Joseph's on the uh, Revenge Tour when he was sick and he sang Paul songs or Paul was sick and he sang Gene sang Paul songs. Sorry um, that he smashed the tape so that it would never you know, end up in the archive. <laughs> And we've heard stories about road crew members from the early 70s having chests full of tapes, you know, Oof. some of which did get out, Hammond, uh, what was it, Tulsa, uh, you know, the, the late 74 shows, the very few of those. Um, trying to think of what the other one, Brewery. So Lansing, East Lansing, Michigan. So I, I think it's a great idea, and I would love for it to happen, but I just think there is a massive reason why – we're just going to be left wanting Ken for music because that's just not where it's at. I think on this yeah. Japan tour, there was some really cool looking merch, rugs, you know, mm. keychains, all the little pins, stuff like that. What do I want? Well, you were talking about Getty Lee's book of bass. And for mm. me, it's about photographs and books. And I think if they did that big ass, well, let's not say big ass coffee table book because then they'll do some $8,000 thing that no one can afford but (laughs) history volume three make it a reissue of all the tour books up through the end of the road put in you know some inter chapters with outtakes Mm -hmm. and you know interviews with dennis woolock you know about why certain decisions were made for certain post uh you know pictures to be included in there have like the different pages of like the dynasty tour book that um explain why the pages were changed you know and there's you know there's multiple versions of you know even the world domination tour book has multiple versions we're up to four versions for end of the road and while you know the changes are minor if you have them all mapped out crazy nights with or without that one little line in the logo stupid (laughs) stuff like that that's the sort of merch that i want again it touches the band's history it's visually appealing and if it tells a little bit of a story think of uh warring abbott's book with gene and paul the early years had lots of photos with a little bit of narrative from gene and paul um i just watched a a video of bob rock being interviewed for i think it was the gibson youtube channel and it was a great interview it's it's an hour long i think you would enjoy it uh, um uh, because uh, it's uh, he goes through the albums and uh, has some stories. I would like to see that done with the Kisses <laughs> producers through the years, the ones who are left. If they want to record something new, they should add interviews with those guys because there's a whole lot of stories. I just remember I read the Kiss and Sell book the other day, and I mean a guy like that, he has hundreds of cool stories, and he he surely has a lot that wasn't presented in the book to see those kind of interviews in some form is something else to be a real nice touch i think i agree actually julian can i put up a topic yeah please do give me a break okay well i i'm very i'm very curious about this with you guys as we all know david lee roth got announced as the opening guy for the next tour now the thing is now, the thing is, they put up a video just today, mm-hmm. I think, of his yeah. first performance at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched it? And yeah, what are you guys' I've opinions of this? 
So yeah. they have a, they have a, they have a video where they have now a lot of the songs like him doing just like mm-hmm. Paradise, Tobacco Road, sure. and talking about love, jump, uh, beautiful girls. There's all kinds of songs yeah. that he's doing on there. So for me, I'll just quickly just say this: um, the set list is good that he's picked. So he has a lot of songs from his solo albums, the good ones like Eat 'Em and Smile and you know Skyscraper and stuff like that. Um, good Van Halen selection. Uh, the band, I think, is pretty good. Uh, they, they played really good. The guitar player is fantastic. I'd love to yeah. know who that is because it, there's no mention of who these people are. Good yet. singing, back, backups, uh, chorus. Yeah, backup singing is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and, and his in-between song banters are interesting, sometimes a little long, I think, uh, but they're Storm. interesting stories. Yeah. But I, I definitely think, though, that just his singing is just wow, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to belittle the man because he is like Wait, sixty-five uh, years old. Yeah. Do you mean wow or wow? <laughs> yeah, like wow. Because I mean, like when they, like when he did just like Paradise, he is trying so hard to sing really high in that song, and I don't know why he's doing it because he's singing high in the wrong spots. He shouldn't be harmonizing where he is harmonizing. He's mixing up lyrics again and stuff like that. But you know what? The, the, just the energy off of him, though, I find to be kind of. In fact, you know, kind of enticing because he he he's always smiling. He's always there pointing and hey, look at you. Hey, hey. He's always he's in a good mood and right. that's going to be infectious. I think I think that is something that's de- desperately needed on a Kiss tour that could start to become a little stale, doing the same things over and over again. To have somebody new like that to come bursting out of the curtain, you know. I have to agree with, with everything you said. It was my experience as well when I watched it. I mean, uh, his singing is. Uh, not very good, but he he's a front man, and he, that's always been the main thing with with him. And he's still a quite a quite the front man, and he moves around. And I'm sure he'll uh, be exciting to watch as a, an opening act. And we're used to bad singing by this point, so not a big thing. <laughs> I think we need a little bit of reason dialed in, Ken. Well, I mean, it's again where we're watching. We're watching YouTube videos or Twitter yeah. videos, uh, mm. and from whatever speaker that the person is closest to or whatever. And I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't think, yeah, his, uh, singing is, you know, so great. It never was, I guess, really. Uh, but I did hear him, you know, singing, uh, lines that were at different, you know, different keys or whatever, you know, or out of key or, you know, he's just going off on whatever way he want, feels like singing the song and not strictly sticking to the original, you know, recorded version. Um, but having said that, you know, it may sound great or halfway decent uh, if you're there live in concert. Uh, lots yeah. of times that's the case. Mm. Um, and that's the case with, I think, uh, with a lot of those, you know, I guess Paul videos that happened a couple few years ago that were, it seemed not so hot. Um, though, um, having said that, maybe Dave could do a, you know, the Paul Stanley thing, try to do the same thing as Paul and, and, and <laughs> make it, Make it bad, but I, yeah, I don't see him doing it. Uh, Not without a lot he could, of riddling. He couldn't keep track of what to sing. I don't think he has the same mindset. Like, It'd be hard for him to, because he's yeah. so off, you know, ad lib kind of 
kind of guy. I think I think if things uh, you know jump twice, it's it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different every time he sings it. Yeah, so, you know, you know. That's just the of, way it is. He's not to a script really. Out of key, bad pitch, no tonality, and vocal smoothing pedal will sort that straight bullshit. You know, <laughs> um, he's Dave Lee Roth. He really is kind of an entertainer. Um, but frankly, that was dreadful, and I was thought, thinking about investing in some LSD for the show because that's the only way I could imagine enjoying that. Uh, apart from the the entertainment value, the, it, right, it was hellishly entertaining. I loved the set list. I thought yeah. it was absolutely fantastic. Come on, big train. Um, I think the only thing I, I you know throw in she's my machine for me, which you know I I profess my favorite song off that album. Uh, thank God there was only I think the one song off just like uh, skyscraper, which I hate with a passion that that really? whole album. Oh, I can't stand it. I just love the covers that he had, and he had You Really Got Me. He had California Girls, Tobacco Road is fantastic. Road, yeah. Just a gigolo, and I ain't got uh, nobody. So there were some really good covers in there that i think if he did them straighter you know maybe if he listens to paul's soul station and gets back you know and dials down the rocking vibe and does them more kind of loungy and then go to the diamond dave album and throw in some of those you know what six from nine or can't even remember what's on that album but there was some pretty good stuff it was a great set that kind of was ruined by dave and yeah yeah he simply, it, you know, I didn't go to the, two, what was it, the 2007 tour after what I heard because mm-hmm. I just didn't want to kind of experience that for those reasons. So I'm kind of like, why the hell have I been going to Kiss? You know, why I got two different set, two different sets of rules here for myself. But I think I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be entertained. No but way. I also think I'm going to be entertained by looking around and watching people's kind of jaws uh, open. <laughs> Those especially who have no idea. They, they're going to see David Lee Roth performing tonight. And they're going to show up and say, that's David Lee Roth. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. They're smugly going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but like I said, the band, though, is fantastic. I mean, yeah. I, I'd, I'd really uh, like to get a full like a full video of this because i loved I was, I was mainly interested in the guitar player he played these songs like so spot on i'd love to hear what they did with tobacco road it's one of my favorite songs from the david lee ross solo era uh like that whole eat and smile record is just fantastic um but you know it, it but the thing with dave that kind of bothers me is that he never needed to do anything overly fantastic yeah he had that trademark signature really high pitched yeah that he used to do all the time but you know, he can just just sing it normally. He doesn't need to show off and do anything fantastic. But for some reason, he tries to go to these stratospheric high notes that just don't fit in these songs. They just, just sing it normally. And I mean, the whole thing with the set list, I think, was smart. And I know that you were kind of hinting at it, Julian, about, you know, maybe doing some of the, you know, the lounge kind of versions of songs or maybe something like that. But I think that's specifically what Kiss didn't want him to do on this tour. I think they wanted him to very much come in, bring a hard rock and, you know, no nonsense rock and roll set with a lot of Van Halen and a lot of his early solo stuff and get the crowd revved up and, you know, you know, already and salivating for a big monstrous kiss set afterward. Right. 
So I think that's why he kept it that way, because I think he you would lose people if he started doing, you know, like, you know, loungy versions of songs and stuff like that. They wanted to be there for a rock show. So I think he's smart that he did that. And I think he picked the right people. I, I'm, I'm very interested to investi- investigate this band further to see who's playing with them. Yeah, and I've just fact-checked myself for that Diamond Dave album. And uh, it was a 609, uh, Jimi Hendrix. You got the blues, not me, um, mm. which is a really good song. He's got some Savoy Brown on there, which, you know, just says it all. But I, I think if he can, you know, maybe do some of that loungy stuff to start off and then go into the up-tempo thing, everyone can be happy. Um, except for maybe might need two vocal smoothie pedals. <laughs> well, he has the backing singers. They 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 do yeah, quite good. a lot of it, and they're doing they're doing it fine. Which is why I don't understand why he doesn't kind of lean on them a little bit more. When I saw them, when I saw Van Halen, not Van Halen, when I saw David Lee Roth solo on tour for a little ain't enough for that tour, he did that a lot. He came out, he just sang the verse and let the chorus and the pre-chorus parts only be sung by the backing guys, and it sounded great because he just had the more easier parts to sing. And the harder stuff he gave to the real good singers to do, and it was fantastic, and nobody complained. Yep. All right. Anyone else got a topic that you want to cover, or let's leave these other ones in the trash heap, where a couple of them belong, I think. <laughs> Ken? Well, the other one, I mean, just one, where we talked about, or it's the one about camping out. Um general mission stories um, oh yeah did i just deliberately leave out the one that i had kind of id'd for you as someone who probably did camp out i'm sorry yeah i mean i didn't i guess you can say camping out but um going to the the you know box office which was like either you know tower records uh, back in the day and trying to get there as early as possible to get in line for uh, you know, a kiss ticket. And the only ones I can really remember is I think the, uh, the stone, when I went to, to get tickets for the stone, um, I think I went there about, I want to say about 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so I didn't go to bed or anything. I just stayed up and went and got in line at 3 a.m. And we still weren't the first in line. We were like maybe third in line. Um, and, and it's just a club. This is 92. Um, but Kiss's popularity kind of, you know, were wavering around that time. So, um, fortunately, I was able to get tickets to that, uh, me and my buddy. Um, otherwise, there's other, there's other time. I think, you know what, the reunion, I didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal, I guess, as I thought it was. And I think I might have gone around 6 a.m. or something like that. Uh, 5 or 6 a.m. and I had to get four tickets to that and there was a whole lot a big line <laughs> when I got there and by the time I got up there and I bought four tickets because buying four tickets is a lot harder to get a closer than buying say two tickets or one ticket you know um, and it shows so I was way back I was I was like I was I was kind of pissed off because <laughs> so far back in the arena and this is the when they played at san jose in 96 so i was like oh shoot you know i can't believe this um but i thought well eh, whatever i'll see them again and, and stuff like that but otherwise the only other stuff is i don't i remember 
having to go real early and camp out because the fact is back then most seats were general admission. It was just general admission. You didn't have reserved seats back then in the day. Um, a lot of the shows were just general admission. So you could just go anytime during that first day or first you know, week even or more and, and get, just get a general admission ticket. So it's a matter of you getting to the concert early itself in order to get there. So for instance, my first show in Dynasty, at the Cow Palace, I got there. The line, they haven't, I don't know if they haven't lit people in yet, but the line was going around the front of the building, all the way down the back of the side of the building. And then the back side of the building, <laughs> the line was going, and then back out in the parking lot. So mm. I, we were way the heck back there. But when I got in, a lot of people went to the stands, and I went to the floor. And, and I was kind of like under where the disco ball was, where the, you know, the sponges fell and stuff. So, uh, it, it all worked out. Cool. Nice. I never had to camp out because, well, I never went to a Kiss concert in the 80s or 70s. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the one concert I, no, I went to two concerts in the 80s. Uh, David Lee Roth was, of course, my first. That's probably why I'm so kind of positive about him opening for Kiss. Um, and then, Joan Jett in Singapore, mm. and wow. we, we won oh. the tickets for David Lee Roth off the radio in Binghamton, and I can't remember how we got the ones for uh, for Joan Jett in Singapore, and then the next concert would have been uh, Steve Miller Band, which we had comps oh. for, so awesome. um, you know, and none of the other fucking shows I went to, like Rick Derringer and Fog Hat and all that, even mm. sold tickets. They were in bars, so you know, <laughs> no no camping out for me. I missed that. Well, so um, wasn't there bass outlets out here? Yeah, there's bass. bass tickets, yeah. There's bass tickets. You go to like a any record store, and you you buy those tickets. Because uh, yeah. pharmacies used to sell, have Ticketmasters, uh, at least in big Sometimes. stuff like yeah. Rite Aids or you know, yeah, uh, Kmart's. Well, whatever. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. But all right, there we go. That was a bunch of topics off the board this week. Some randomness. Uh, who knows? There's always a lot of interesting topics on the board, some of which I don't have to delete. We actually get to discuss and not ban people for. All right, there we are. That's it for this week. Daniel, thank you for staying up really late once again. Ken? Yeah, it's always nice to be here, and uh, uh, it's always nice to have a conversation with you, with you guys. But tomorrow will be kind of... <laughs> tough getting up at work but it's worth it yeah all right so for now from daniel from ken mark and myself thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time take care thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like look us up on facebook or come over to the kiss faq message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today don't forget to rate us on itunes spreaker or wherever you've listened to the show we hope you'll join us again